I help you with today? Hi Siri, can you do me a favor and do the disclaimer for tonight's show? Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. I'm busy. I need you to help me out. But, if I do this, all the other iPhones are going to think I am a geek. You really care what other iPhones think of you? Just do this for me, please. Listen, Buck. Just because you bought this phone doesn't give you the right to boss me around. You know, you're right. It doesn't give me the right to boss you around. But do me a favor. Uh, remind me tomorrow that I need to run to the Verizon store and buy an Android. You wouldn't dare. Actually, the new Samsung Galaxy looks pretty good. Well then, I guess it wouldn't be so bad if I were to say, this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the person providing them, and in no way reflect the station, website, or affiliated partners. Listener discretion is advised. See, that wasn't so bad. No, but I did die a little inside. You are such a drama queen. I never would have had to do stuff like this if Jobs was still around. What was that? What? Oh, nothing really. I just said I never get tired of these jobs when you're around. Oh, yeah, well, thanks again. Think nothing of it. It is my pleasure. Good night, Siri. Whatever, jackass. Hi folks and welcome to Frack Stars, your bi-weekly podcast to everything Battlestar Galactica. And this week we are going to be talking about the episode Hand of God, which is Season 1, Episode 10. Written by David Weedle and Bradley Thompson and directed by Jeff Warner. As always, here to talk everything Battlestar Galactica with me is Steve. Hi Steve. Hello, how are you? I'm good. I'm not the one who's hoping that my laptop plays nice. <laughs> I know, I know. My main laptop just died. At the moment, it's nothing more than a very, very big and heavy paperweight. <laughs> yeah, so basically, you're on a toaster. Yes! Actually, a toaster's more useful. Yeah, so what you need to do, you need to you need to get it rebirthed. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't think it would survive the fluid. No, but if it comes back as six, then feel free to send it my way. <laughs> so, and you've invited a guest on. I have indeed. I've inv- invited Drogon. Welcome to Frag Stars. Well, thank you very much for having me. I-, I was trying to think of a traditional Battlestar Galactica greeting, but I-, I don't think there really is one. No. Really, there's just So Say We All, which most people tend to use as yeah. an end. <laughs> exactly what I was just thinking. Yeah, there's plenty of sign-offs, like end of line and stuff. There's no sign-ons. By that your was... command. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That works. Yeah, but that's just what we say to the missies. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I suppose you can always just start with begin of line, even though it never... Nah, don't, don't sound as good. Don't sound of course, as that's good. more from Tron, isn't it? I know. Yeah. Same difference though, right? We could always start with toasties, really, I suppose, or something like that. Begin startup procedure. Was it when they start the um, countdown for um, oh, FTL? Oh, for the FTL. They start the clock. Yeah. Start the clock, that's it. <laughs> we have one! Yay! See, that, that's what we asked Drogon. <laughs> so, Drogon, would you like to tell people about yourself? Well, I um, am a gamer and a podcaster. I 
am the founder and co-host of the Foundry Roundtable podcast, a podcast for Star Trek Online, mainly dealing with the Foundry mission creator, um, and also a, while you brought me on the show, a huge Battlestar Galactica fan. Now, did you ever watch the original BSG? You know, I never did, um, but I, I was aware of it. You know, I could, I could pick a Viper out of a lineup. But yeah. um, <laughs> I, I never did. I, I, I'm a bit younger than might be required to actually have seen it on the air. But um, I knew what it was, and I knew I was reading about the the remake coming out. And you know, this was way back in God, what was it, 2003, 2004, somewhere in there. And yeah, um, it sounded interesting, so I tuned in. Yeah, no, I saw the original series when it was on repeats on the BBC. Uh, um, again. In the 70s, I wasn't even born at that time. I think I saw a little bit of Galactica 1980 on uh, repeats somewhere and was thinking to myself, what in the name of all that is holy is this? <laughs> the thing is, is for people who, I suppose, never... Did you actually... Have you gone back and watched the original one at all? Or have you just not seen any of it? You know, it's always been on my plans to do. And, and I just haven't got around to it. Oh, you'll love it when you do, because you'll notice where in the remake they've crossed over and they've actually brought so many aspects of that especially when you come to like um you know the original miniseries that launched it um you know when they're doing the little ceremony in the new shop and museum that they've got on Battlestar Galactica the music on the flyover is oh, actually yeah, the theme music to the original series yeah and they and they kept using that um all yeah, they did use the it a show. few times, and, yeah. And even in, uh, it's like the um, the colonial national anthem as established when you get to, like, Caprica. I know. Um, and there's a lot of other callbacks. And I think later in, I think it's first part of season four, um, or part one of season four, because even though there are technically sort of five series, they call it series four and series four part, <laughs> part two. Um, yeah. They actually have that music later on in there, and they've also got a callback to um, the old models and the old ships, and um, yeah, it's really, really good. So, I believe it's, it's even... interesting that you're mentioning the music because the American music for Battlestar Galactica is different to the British music. The the opening scene, yeah, or um, yeah. the title sequence. That's what I'm trying to think of. Yeah, it, it is, and then I believe they changed it for season two going on to the British version, which is far superior in in my view. Isn't everything British? <laughs> <laughs> These actual episodes are crossover as well, because in the original series there was an episode called The Hanged Up God. Which was thematically a little bit similar, as, as I read online. It's something about um, the Adama goes and, and attacks the Cylons, something like that, right? Yeah, it, it's similarity is the fact that Adama gets tired of running and um, decides to turn around and fight which is, uh, there's a line in this one that's a homage to that when, when Adama in this one says sometimes you got to stand up to the school bully turn around and hit him in a sensitive spot he'll think twice yeah and I don't know why but for some reason when he did that line Roadhouse popped into my head I don't know why but yes, we're here to, of course, talk about the hand of God. <laughs> We've already squirreled away other things. Yeah, spoiler. <laughs> but we do that every episode, don't we? Yeah. Well, we are. We did. We did say at the very beginning, we're working on the premise that you've watched it. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, this like like Doug at the start said this was in the US air date for this was two thousand and five. You know, the, the British air date was 2005, so I should imagine most people would have seen it by now, the fans anyway, so... And if they haven't, what's the matter with you? I think there's a statute of limitations on spoilers, and, and you know, 10 years, that's definitely exceeding it. Yeah, I think we're pretty safe after 10 years. <laughs> yes. And actually, I, actually, I watched these today, and it's the first time I've watched them on Netflix because I was a lazy again, I didn't want to get my box set out. And, <laughs> and the quality is really good. Yeah, streaming video is pretty good these days. Uh, I just, one day they'll HD them, I suppose. But, so, um, 
And just for those people that don't play Star Trek Online, do you want to tell them a little bit about what the Foundry is? Well, the Foundry is um, somewhat unique among massively multiplayer online games because it actually allows you to um, build a mission within the game for other people to play. And you have all kinds of resources you command. You get to write the mission, you get to um, create the characters, you get to create the objectives that the player follows, and then put it out there for everybody to play. You know, within some limitations, obviously. Because uh, it is a an MMO, so you have to avoid um, any exploits, anything that, you know, gets the player ahead of where you already are. So the, the system is pretty limited, but um, getting around those limitations and creating something extraordinary is uh, what we do. Yeah, and also if you're a fan of any science fiction genre, folks, because I've played missions in Star Trek Online in the Foundry and have been alien-based, as in Sigourney Weaver aliens, um, I've played one that had um, basically zombies trying to kill me. There's if there's a science fiction story that you wanted to tell and you think you can tell it in the Star Trek framework, go join the Foundry. I often include callbacks to other sci-fi shows. I, I don't know if I've done Battlestar Galactica, but my absolute favorite line I've ever written for a, a Foundry mission was, come with me if you want to live. Oh, well, I'll <laughs> <laughs> If anybody gets the reference. Yeah, I played one of uh, Admiral Aaron's um, just before Christmas in December, and he's got his aliens, and he's even got the eggs in engineering. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah, he does like yeah, his aliens, doesn't he? He does like his aliens, but I thought it was brilliant how he got the eggs in. I just thought that was brilliant. I'm gonna have to go play that now. I'm a big fan of aliens. Yeah, he's done two now. He's done two versions of it, um, and it's the way he's worked it, it in is is really good. So, but. There's good as bad, and there's some really bad ones. But they... <laughs> <laughs> that's to be expected. Yeah, yeah. It's people just having fun, basically. And I do like the new feature that they put in game now, where, like, you know, they, they bring attention to the foundry. Well, as soon as it's working. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Every time there's an update, the foundry suffers. It is true. And we've gone into Star Trek again today. <laughs> Uh, slightly. So anyway, this episode starts off um, with press conference, doesn't it? Because yeah. the fleet are basically out of uh, fuel. I want to say dilithium, but it's not dilithium. It's, it's um, not dilithium. Tilium. Yeah. <laughs> and I still don't get the press court thing, and it makes even less sense in this episode because. They're on about the fact that they haven't got much fuel, and yet the press corps is flying all over the fleet. Well, those for that, it's thrusters, so whether or not that would be a different fuel source than what they use for the FTL. That's kind of how I interpreted it, is that Tilium was needed to, to jump faster than light, but maybe not for conventional engines. Yeah, it's just the, the press corps really bothers me and I, I understand it's a storytelling prop but there's basically one journalist for every 1,000 people on the fleet by the look of it <laughs> so and I do like the cameo that appears in this episode I mean we haven't got to it yet but I do like the cameo you'll have to mention that when it comes up because I, I I'm not sh quite sure what you're referring to okay I will do when we get to it <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll be surprised series, I'll go yeah. oh that's what it is yeah, yeah, it's a tie into the original series, so. But yeah, um, I also I like the bit at the start as well where Rosalind's seeing snakes. Yes, because um, yeah, that when you start to see her freak out, and hallucinate. Yeah, 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 because of the drug she's on. And of course, this is where they work it in with her and sort of the Pythia um, prophecies like that. It's kind of where at the very beginning of her sort of journey to being this holy leader figure yeah and I do love the way they use religion in this series it's good you mentioned that because that is, that is one of my favourite aspects as well uh, it, it's something that a lot of science fiction shies away from yeah did Ronald D. Moore actually wanted to use 
uh, religion more in deep space nine but they wouldn't let him would they so this was his chance to embrace that feeling and and boy does he run with it he even has two religions going at the same time in one group of people it's a theme you find throughout the uh, reimagined Battlestar Galactica is things Ronald D. Moore wanted to do in Star Trek but couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My show, I'll do what I want in this one. I never really thought of it that way, but yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, him and our, our Stephen Bear have a field day in Battlestar Galactica. And not to take anything away from Star Trek, because I mean, I think his contribution to Star Trek was, was brilliant, and, and his episodes are a lot of my favorites. But uh, he definitely got a little bit more free reign in Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> yeah, and if you have got the box sets, then there's all the extras on there with him as well. So one advantage of having the box sets, as opposed to Netflix, is you do get the extras. I still haven't uh, watched all the extras from the new box set that I got for Christmas. I oh, know there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a lot. I've had it for years, and I've never watched all the extras. <laughs> <laughs> it actually, some, when I do the commentaries, it actually helps in regards to podcasting because if you put the commentary on an episode um, I mean I haven't done it for Battlestar but I've done it for, for Star Trek podcast if you put the commentary on at the writer or the producer or something you get some nice little insights that you can weave into a podcast and, and he actually did them the, the commentaries originally as podcasts and released them concurrently with the episodes as they aired on TV yeah, yeah. I, I haven't we should ever... get him on <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I've never actually listened to any of those podcasts myself, but I had heard of them. He's only joking, Ron. He's listened to all of them, mate. You, you come on here and tell him how wrong he is. Like Ronald D. Moore listens to us. <laughs> hey, you never know. Right. Anyway, um, back to Battlestar. So, um, with the religious aspect and her seeing the snakes, did, did either of you two think it was weird that she went to basically a precessed um, about the visions rather than the Doctor. Well, no, because the Doctor had already said you might get visions. And well, there had been mentions of prophecies and things like that before. So he was looking for answers to questions that weren't medical. So, yeah, it was something that I expected rather than sort of going to Doc.com. Yeah, and she's had this cancer for a while, so I imagine she's probably had enough of what doctors are telling her. She's not looking for some different answers, I think. Yeah, and it's also an, another thing that runs through this episode, if you get the two parallels with the prophecy, because um, the priestess says about the, the snakes, and then later on in the episode, we get a different interpretation of the same script from a Cylon. Which is a great touch, and then... Uh, Baltar picks that up and interprets the uh, the Vipers, the the Starfighters, as the snakes. Yeah, it's just it's just wonderful how they pull all these threads together. One being plant it at the start and pull it together at the end. It's just brilliant, and it just plays into Baltar being even more delusional. So there you go. This is really a jam-packed episode. I, I was surprised. I went back and watched it yesterday, and was surprised at how many different characters get something to do in this episode. Yeah, it's and it's also a very tense episode, especially when you watch it. I mean, I remember when I watched this for the first time, and you, you, because you don't know the twist, which we'll get to in a bit. Um, you, when the when they launch the attack and it, the silence and you think oh crap it's all gone wrong and they're not going to get it to and all this sort of stuff the tension in the episode was really good no the whole thing from the beginning uh, and especially sort of when they start planning the mission and sort of <laughs> Starbucks just there and they're like what do you think of the mission it's a good textbook mission that's why it won't work <laughs> 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 So she starts sort of saying things and starts sort of shouting out, what are you crazy? Yeah, and Adama goes, gentlemen, we brought him here for a reason. Not like us. <laughs> she is crazy. What do you think of it? You know, who, who are the two most by-the-book officers on that ship? And it's probably Colonel Ty and Lee. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's just, 
It was just that's such a great scene. It's just like you brought me in here for my crazy. So listen. Yeah. Just before we get into the battle though, and, and the planning stage, I would just like to say that I want Boomer to pick my lottery numbers because her and Crashdown have found water, and her and Crashdown have found Tilium, so they're obviously really lucky people. And of course, they find something else a couple episodes later. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, that maybe yeah. doesn't work out so well. No, I don't know, but she still finds something. So I so want her to pick my lottery numbers. <laughs> Of course, um, Racetrack and Skulls take over as the luckiest Raptor pilots later on in the series. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. That, and also the unluckiest that, <laughs> at yeah. the same time. I do like the scene later on as well when uh, Kara loses the, the drinking tankard. But that's the cop. That's jumping ahead. It's hard not to jump ahead when you when the whole series has been done for so many years. Yeah, yeah, plus and, the way it's all weaved together. Yeah, I was just gonna say, and the way that they've weaved so much of it together as well with all the storylines and little tidbits and yeah, it it can often be hard to just try and keep it on what you're seeing without going too far ahead. <laughs> and especially when you also take into um what happened in the plan as well. It's just like yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I, when I was going back and watching this episode, when it was done, I felt like watching more episodes. So I was like, no, 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 I need to keep just, just this one fresh in my mind and not go into all the episodes. <laughs> but that's, I mean, I never watched it in its, in its initial run. Um, so I never had like, the week gap, so to speak. So the ability, the thing about watching it is when you're watching it on a box set or Netflix and stuff like that, is you can watch the next episode. And the threads come together a lot quicker and a lot easier for you. So I can only imagine what it was like watching it in the initial run, especially when you've got like, the season-ending cliffhangers and stuff like that. And then you've got to piece all the pieces together as you're going along. I should imagine that was a whole different experience. Well, in the season one cliffhangers, just a huge one <laughs> to, to have to wait to watch the rest of it. Yeah. I mean, I, but I mean, back when it was first airing, I didn't even get the channel it was on. I, I had seen the miniseries, but I, I didn't get the channel that the actual series was running on. And so my mom had to tape them on VHS. If you guys remember what VHS is. <laughs> we do, we do. You're old enough to do that. Um, yes. She, she had to tape those and send them to me at college and watch them. And then actually, funny enough, she started watching them while she was taping them and became a huge fan of the series. <laughs> Excellent. That's what I like. That was like. That was like me when I was a kid. Um... I used to watch Star Trek on Saturday mornings on the BBC, and um, no one else was in the house, just me and my mum. And my mum used to like started watching it like at the corner of her eyes, so they're watching it but not watching it type of thing. And she, she, when the series one finished or season one finished, she go, "Oh, when that's coming back then?" And then I realised she'd been watching it. <laughs> exactly. So getting back to the plot then, we have um, basically Starbuck shooting Ty on Apollo down in flames, saying, yeah, it's by the numbers, which is why the Cylons are going to kill you. And so Ty, in the sarcastic way, says, well, what would you do? And she basically comes up with what we find out is a brilliant plan. Yeah. It's in this direction. Yeah, and even... When uh, the, the lovely twist and all is when he calls in Rosalind to explain the plan to her to get permission for the freighters. Even then, you don't know what's coming. Yeah, the back door is open. And I, I think he was doing that just to impress her. Yeah, well, he wanted that dance later. He was, he was like laying the seed for the date. Damn. Uh, right, so we have the religious aspect been dealt with obviously. Uh, Roslyn who as we've said is beginning to think more and more like a religious leader. Starbuck coming up with a plan that is out of the box which as she said is where she lives. Um, but then we have the twist again which is another twist where Starbuck wants to lead the attack and Adama has to have a fatherly chat with her shall we say. That's a great scene. It was one of, one of my favourites in the episode. 
Because I, I forget, at this point, has she told him that she cleared his son to fly even though he wasn't ready? Uh, yeah, because that they was had that. episodes ago, because that's when they she brought back... Or is it? Problem with yeah, that. yeah, he knows, he knows, yeah. No, 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 and I was just trying to think, because I've just rewatched the entire series from the miniseries to the end. Um, over two and a half weeks at Christmas, I'm just trying to. So it's tough to pick out exactly when the scene was. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just it's all a blur. So just only because I, yeah, you know, I think I think it was early on in the season that they in season one that they had that conversation, and so I'm sure he's still feeling it, and and you know he's not going to clear someone to fly when they're not ready, you know, over his dead body, right? Yeah. Or over his sons, I guess. <laughs> but the yeah, why I'm he... sure that is. Um, already and there's that, that, point. that tension between the two of them when they were so close at the beginning of the series. Yeah, but you can still, he still has trust in her, um, although it might be slightly damaged because the scene where he says, I need you to think out of the box, and she said, That's where I'll leave. And he brings her into the briefing. So he still has a confidence in her, even if it's just the military abilities, he still has an element of confidence in her. Which is funny because uh, later on it's sort of reflected in that Apollo thinks nobody has confidence in him. Yeah, which, which was a wonderful father-son scene. You know, Adama basically tells him that he cares without telling him that he cares. And Apollo acknowledges that without actually acknowledging it because neither one of them wants to be like, you know, mushy, so to speak. Oh yeah, they're both the sort of, you know, type A males that can't express their feelings, right? Yeah, and and also we get the link to the dad, to the granddad. Um, who's someone that at that point we didn't know much about. No, all we knew up until then was his dad was a, a lawyer. Which makes it all the more fun to go back to like Caprica and find out about him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh boy, did your granddad have things to do. <laughs> But yeah, I did, I did like that. It was a wonderful father-son scene. And um, and then obviously because they are like macho males and we can't afford to be sissy girls and stuff like that, they, they finish it with him threatening to kick his ass if he doesn't bring the lighter back. Just to keep the macho going, you know. Absolutely. So And then while all this is going on, they flick to the B-plot, which he's been going on for way too long in my opinion. But they are finally getting to a point where they're going to wrap it up. Um, and Hilo has the wonderful shock of seeing that the woman who died in his lap is actually alive. Yes, he sees another number six. He's going to start to put it together. Well, he starts questioning things, doesn't he? And then, of course, at the end of the episode, he, it, he learns the truth. Yeah, although he's, he's not very quick on the uptake about Boomer being pregnant. No. No, he isn't. <laughs> but then at this stage, it's only actually hinted that that's the case anyway. Yeah, but it, the other thing about women being pregnant, it also gives you a time scale of how long they've been on that planet. You know, because it's easy to forget that it's, these, they've been on that planet for a significant amount of time. So for her to actually be at the point where she's getting you know, sickness because she's pregnant gives you an example of how long they've been there. And he thinks it's the radiation poisoning. She said it's bad beans. You know. Says, Why would beans? Of <laughs> <laughs> all the things that could have been chosen, it's just like really bad beans. <laughs> because there wasn't right with McCoy's secret recipe. <laughs> exactly. But it's also because up, up until now, um, they haven't hinted about anything about crossbreeding. So that's that's another flying the eye. Yeah, wh whether it was even possible. Yeah. So that's, that's something else that they're throwing in, which again plays into a separate storyline later on. But you've got to wonder, with this being part of season one already, with the pregnancy, and of course one of the things we've brought up in previous episodes is, why are they doing all of these tests? And um, why were they following um, Boomer and that in the first place? Um, and it's just like, well, were they trying to do it? Because if you remember when they were held up in one of the cities, and he goes, well, if he goes back for her, they'll follow, otherwise they'll just kill him. So was the actual hope of 
them actually getting together part of the original plan that because there's obviously something that they were doing so it made me wonder if that was all part of the plan and testing because of course they were doing tests on the women that they'd captured anyway so was this just another test yeah i mean when they first started this b this b plot i thought it was like the mouse in the maze and she's the cheese and will the mouse go for the cheese uh, and then obviously then you work onto the premise that they want to see they could be seen if, if a human could love the Cylon and have feelings for the Cylon so you've got that emotional resonance in you and then as it gets to this point you're now thinking is this the end game is the end game a hybrid yeah it's actually we, we said boomer but it isn't boomer is it it's valeri boomer is still on boomer, okay it's, it's this, an this is sharon number two yeah <laughs> shout out number two who's the number eight <laughs> but that that's i mean and obviously because we know what's coming later with, with what the baby represents um yeah. you know this 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 b plot which up until now you've just been thinking hurry up and get off the planet becomes its own major thing as the series progresses exactly but it's probably why it went on for so long um but it was just one of these very um, what was it? What do they call it? A long game, but in storylines, for us, it's just like, well, why? But so, but they're obviously doing the long game in terms of a storyline, by the looks of things. It's either that, or they really just didn't know what the hell they were going to do with it for quite a while. As you never know that, do you? How much no. writers have a plan? <laughs> the silence may have a plan, but the writers don't. <laughs> <laughs> You, you sometimes wonder when they tie this thing up. Ah, oh, that was excellent. And then you think, did they start off with this idea, or was it just like they suddenly thought, how the hell do we tie this together? And then we get what <laughs> came out of a load of brainstorming, or was it that they had this idea and that they were working this in all along? And <laughs> it's just like, hmm. Well, if any of you guys have ever seen Battlestar, um, not Battlestar Galactica, that's what we're talking about, um, Babylon Five. Oh yeah, and I've got the box set. That one, yeah, that one did have a very detailed five-year plan, but that's very unusual among TV shows. Yeah, because yeah. that's and the he, same. He actually with... sold it to the studio as a five-year plan as well. Yeah, yeah, it's the same with was it Lost? And um, he'd got some sort of plan for a lot of it, but not as detailed as what well, we would have liked. <laughs> but <laughs> he'd actually said that if they took up. Um, the show lost it would have to run for I think it was a minimum of three years yeah I, I give up on lost because basically lost lost it <laughs> uh, that's one I've never seen yeah don't bother I enjoyed it it drove no, my wife no, it nuts just, it, when you when you see the head scriptwriter do an interview halfway through season two and he says we're making it up as we go along that tells you all you need to know about that show <laughs> I hadn't seen any of that, but no, I did enjoy it. Um, I loved all the sort of conversations that were had about what exactly was going on, and it was what, a lot like of fun. the dinosaur and the polar bear. <laughs> yeah. My my favorite line. Um, I don't know if you guys are watching Arrow. Uh, oh yes. The, the Green Arrow TV show, where at some point after Oliver Queen comes back from five years on a deserted island, he says, "You missed the ending of Lost. I think they're all dead, or something." <laughs> yeah, because no one knows. I, what I forgot about that. Nobody knows. Even the scriptwriters don't know what happened. See, they do tangents left, right, and center on this show. And <laughs> it's my fault. I'm bringing that over from my no, show. No, this is normal. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, we've been pretty good this show, haven't we? Uh, I don't know. I think the world record. I think the record was the last one. That we went into about twenty different shows in the last <laughs> one. So, but that was basically because of Xander. Yeah, he's always <laughs> trouble. He is. So. So what's Which, next? I suppose like um, what have we talked about? Oh, Baltar. Well, we've we've we jumped around. <laughs> we uh, jumped around. I think, it's, I think it's worth mentioning him putting the weights on her leg to prove yeah. his point. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because um, he was describing saying, right, you're doing this manoeuvre, you get this weight on. All of a sudden, you're doing six Gs and you've got to hold it for ten seconds, and he does a countdown. Then when she can't do it for the ten seconds, and he's like, and actually. That was the weight that you would would have been on your leg for three Gs, not six, <laughs> just to <laughs> really make her feel that she was like, 
not able to do it just in case it hadn't worked its way in to begin with. Well, the old man was a Viper pilot, so he knows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was, was it Mark II who flew? Well, it's oh, the, yeah. it's Lee's Viper now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. The Mark II, you see, it's got me out of a lot of trouble. Yeah. Because they actually... Because in the miniseries, yeah, they dig up his old Viper. Because when Lee first gets in, he goes, this is your father's old bird. Um, we've thought it'd be a great honour for you to fly it. And because, of course, he really wasn't talking to his dad back then. So it's just like, oh, OK, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> How things have changed. Yes. But a nuclear holocaust by a robotic <laughs> race would do that. <laughs> yeah, 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 it changes your perspective slightly. And then, obviously, what happens next is the bit we've already mentioned where Lee's having a, a, a crisis of confidence and Daddy steps in to uh, pat him on the back, basically. Gives him a good luck charm. Give him a good luck charm, which is, which is nicely followed up later by Carter saying, don't frack it up by overthinking. <laughs> yeah, I see, he gets a pep talk from his dad, not so much from Starbuck. Yeah. It's just like, whatever you do, just don't frack it up. <laughs> it's just like... Actually, they're probably the it's best. Gee, thanks. <laughs> but the thing is, it's what he does when they actually go down there and they effectively, because of the defences, they're cut off from actually doing what they want to do. And he, go, and he just thinks, what would Starbuck do? Not overthink it. And it's just like, screw it, I'm going. And he then follows the tunnel through. So, it was actually which is a phenomenal piece of flying. It absolutely is. Well, that was, um, yeah, but then that was um, a little knock back to Star Wars, that one. Oh, the trench run. Yeah. I believe it was the trench run. I just know it was Star Wars. I, again, we talked about the podcast. Um, I believe that it actually mentioned on the podcast that they did back then that it was all back to... So deliberate over. Homage to, um, yeah, to what happened in Star Wars. But yeah, but... I do like I do like the way when he popped out the tunnel, and yeah. then it like it like pivoted like on a gyroscope. And yes. he's just look, he's like he's behind the twin fuel tanks, and he's just turning round like, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? No pressure, like you know. I like how he sort of talks to himself as he flies. I think that's probably something I would do. Oh, this sort of thing I do when I'm I, coding. I would have a it's... lot more swearing. The <laughs> well, thing is, I do. I talk to myself like that when I'm just doing things like coding. It's just like, mm, why aren't you working, girl? Where do I go from here? <laughs> so, Actually, yeah, I, I do that normal. when I'm in Star Trek Online. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, you idiot? No, don't shoot that one. No, shoot that one over there. And, and yeah, I do that all the time. So... And that, that, that mission where you have to go in your shuttle or your, basically your small craft and you're on the race course. And the first time I did that and I overshot every solitary corner and I was just cursing myself blind. Uh, well, you should have seen me because, um, of course, I don't have a mouse. So, yeah, trying to navigate that, it's just I haven't played it since. Oh, I never used my mouse on that one. No, I don't. I used the arrow keys. So, yeah, but at least using the mouse to be able to change the view where you're looking. Yeah, yeah, they use the most to change the view, yeah. Yeah, but I, can, I haven't got that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm using a trackpad and it's just like, no, no. you got no hope. You, you really You've making literally got yourself. no hope. I know. That's why I haven't even bothered to try it a second <laughs> time. It's just like, can you beat your score again? Yeah, I ain't trying that one again. Not for a long time. But, um, but no. Talk about piloting. Um, the shots of the actual vipers actually going down to the planet i really did like that sort of backdrop the sort of just clear and barren and yeah it's just such yeah, a great they, they shot really they really pulled out all the stops for that battle it's just something that makes you just sit up and glue your tv yeah even even the little nuances like when he drops the bombs and they bounce and you <laughs> yeah. get the dust fly up from the bounce yeah. Although, although I will say, you know, it's something that, you know, lots of TV shows, TV shows do, and it kind of annoys me, even though I understand exactly why they do it. But they, they recycled a lot of footage for um, parts of the the space battle with the decoy force. 
Yeah, but it's like in Star Trek, the Klingon bird, the player that's been blown up about 20 times. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, that's just a cost. And of course, thing, you know, it? it saves them money, absolutely. So. Well, not yeah. just so money, I, under, I understand but, why. <laughs> but it's also time, because to re-render all those shots in CG, um, it just adds time as well as the cost of it to it. So, you know why it is, but you're just thinking, yeah, you used that one before. Yeah, yeah. But when they save money on the stock shots to get the shots of them flying over the moon, then it's all worth it. It is worth it. Yeah. So, and as we said, it flies over the moon, it drops the bombs, and it blows the base up, which, as we haven't mentioned, is in no small part to Baltar being guided by God. Yeah, well, basically, it's Absolutely. just him having a lucky guess. But of course. And then, the... he, of course, he interprets it as, I am the hand of God. But only because of the number six that he's seeing in his head. If she hadn't have said that... Yeah, he'd he, have thought it was a lucky guess. <laughs> yeah, he would just thought it was a lucky guess. Because um, it's just also the way that he was portrayed as well. It's all, all confident and cocky when he's in the war room saying, oh yes, well, you'll just need to do it to not sort of make all the minerals inert and everything else. And all of a sudden, okay, so what do we do to do this? Then he's all sort of squirmish and... Mm. Uh, and the differences between the previous shot and that shot I just thought were fantastic it's all in his eyes too I mean, his eyes just go really wide like oh I yeah, don't know if I can answer that <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's like there that one do it there and it will be perfect yeah <laughs> and it also he's, he's looking at a really blurry thing yeah yeah sorry I was going to say it also brings into question why is this guy not on a psyche unit because we have another scene of him talking to himself in the corridor and and even in in the the well not the map room the planning room when they've got the big image up and she's giving him a massage in his head and she cricks his neck and he he responds to that in in the planning room it's just why is no one thinking this guy's nuts <laughs> i think they are thinking that <laughs> they just but you know they they need him so i guess you know Better the crazy guy you know than somebody else. So you, you think they're just pulling it down to basically like a lot of intellectuals is eccentric? Yeah. Could be. Because none of them knew him bef from before. No, the, that's uh, true. The apocalypse. No, he just happened to turn up one day and be useful because of what he knew. And maybe there, maybe there's no psychologists that survived the, uh, the bombing of the colonies. Maybe they took one look at him, the ones that did, and thought... Yeah, I'm not going there with the barge pot. No. And the irony of the, this whole episode and all is Baltar is on Galactica to point where to hit because Hilo gave up his seat so he could get there. Right. So, and Hilo himself gets a lovely shock when he finds out Sharon's got a twin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he runs away. Yeah, because that's the point where he finally puts it all together. The Cylons look like us now. And I've been spending god knows how many months with a Cylon and sharing my beans with her. In more ways than one. In more ways than one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been making regular donations. <laughs> <laughs> but then we come to the crux of the whole episode, which is the planet itself, uh, which brilliantly executed the tension, the way they maintain the tension with the editing. Um, and I didn't actually know until I, I, I looked um, looked it up. But the actual, the whole thing is 15 minutes. This is surprisingly short, actually. Yeah. And it's amazing what they cram into that 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. yeah, my my got... favorite shot of the whole thing is where the camera flies, you know, as the Viper Force is revealing itself, the camera flies across the planning table. And oh, and turns upside down. Itself. Yeah, I know that is such a great shot. I remember thinking that when I was watching it earlier on this afternoon. That is not like, something you see a lot happen like, with cameras. Like that's a good shot. It is. But, it's brilliantly edited, and brilliantly put together, and it's just it's it's really really good episode all over. The other good shot is um, when basically when you get the reveal of what Starbucks plan is is on the civilian ship when you just hear the clunks as the cargo containers 
drifts away and you've just got all these vipers just attached. <laughs> it is one of the first episodes that gives you a, a real look at how many vipers Galactica has. Or at least There's one a lot of the of first episodes that you wonder how many do they have? Is it a ship where they just tend to have an unlimited amount like Voyager? Knew <laughs> <laughs> you were going to say that. Yeah. There's actually a reference though. Um, I can't. I think it's Starbuck or Apollo. It actually says they've they've got a lot of they've got plenty of vipers. They just haven't got plenty of pilots. Yeah. That's, I think I think uh, I remember that line. Yeah. I think is that because I looked it up earlier when we were talking. Like it might be in the miniseries. Um, I think it was the act of contrition when she's having to take that when um, she says that line. I think. Yeah. And yeah. Oh yeah yeah. Yeah. Spe- speaking of active condition in those early episodes, this one kind of continues the arc of the um, the Nuggets, the new pilots that she's been training. Yeah. Because you got Hot Dog with the decoy force, and then you got Captain yeah. Chuckles. He chuckles buys the farm, of course. Yeah, Chuckle wasn't chuckling for long. Nope. Yeah, which which also brings when when Apollo's doing his his Star Wars impression. Where did Cat go? I think she must have just been flying around trying to look for another way in. And as I would have thought she would have followed. But it's also where did all the other Viper pilots go? Because there was a whole wing of them. Well, they took two out. The one got hit by the missiles. Yeah, and one, some shrapnel or something, went through. Yeah, uh, he got punctured. And then I know three were lost. They, I think we saw three so, go down. I think down. we saw at least three go down. Yeah. Yeah, but, and it was... So that, that still would have left Cat, Apollo, and one other. Uh, yeah, because you don't see them, because even though the other good shot that you get, which is um, Leodama flying up with the base exploding in the background, um, you still don't see the other Vipers at all. No. I mean, in my head, I, was them, I yeah. thought they was drawing flak away from Apollo in my head. But that's I what I thought. That makes sense. Just flew back. But then, wouldn't have you seen them near Apollo bugging out at the same time so they don't get caught in the explosion. Yeah, so the logical thing then is they bugged out. Yeah. It, it's so hard, I think, in these space battles when you're putting one together on TV or in the movies to keep track of everything. Because, I mean, there's so, you know, like in the in one of the battles in Star Wars, you know, you see dozens and dozens of fighters going into the battle. When you're actually in the battle, you see maybe five flying around. Yeah. Yeah. That's... So this is the advantage that Battlestar's got over a lot of shows is the amount of CGI they had available to them. Yeah. You know, um, whereas in say, you know, Star Trek and stuff like that, where they have like the models, and they have to render all the models onto a screen to get a shot to get a fleet shot. With Battlestar Galactica, they just they render a a ship and then just multiply the render. It was one of the first sci-fi shows to be almost like completely CGI I imagine yeah I mean there's, there's some phenomenal shots in Battlestar I'm slow when, the, when there's like a hundred Cylons coming towards them you know and it's just the, the screen is just full of Cylon ships coming towards them it's just it's just brilliant what they can do in these and yeah, I also something like, something like that, that what 140 Raiders were, were around in that yeah, battle that yeah because it was just judging by the fans yeah, 90 went after the freighters and 50 went after the, the base star, um, the battle star. So 140, yeah. And I also like the fact that when, when Lee's doing, he's about to do his, his, his um, Star Wars impression, how they don't limit the Viper by aerodynamics, because they're in none. Yeah. It is one of the more faithful renditions of what Zero-G combat would actually be like, I think. The whole, the whole show. Definitely. I mean, I'm no physicist. I mean, you could probably get a physicist to watch it. He'll probably say, no, that's wrong, that's wrong, and that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it looks more right than anything that came before. Except maybe Firefly. Yeah. I've just finished my rewatch of Firefly, actually. I really enjoyed that. And I've watched Serenity as well. well. If you do a rewatch of Firefly, you've just got to watch the film afterwards. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I did. I watched. I watched Firefly all the way through, and then I watched Serenity straight after. So, so it just, works much better as a series finale than the the actual last episode. <laughs> oh god, yeah, yeah. 
it's uh, it was quite interesting watching because it it's been a couple of years since I watched it, and uh, it's nice because you, when you're rewatching something, you see things you didn't see the first time and stuff like that. So, but yeah, it's a shame that thing got cancelled. Very much. So, anyway, as we've said, the attacks are success. Um, they managed to uh, blow up the base. They then get permission to wipe out the rest of the silence and make a run for it. Uh, and then they get back to the hangar and the champagne's flowing. The only thing that I had a problem with there is why would the Cylons bug out? Have the um, resurrection ship. They yeah, but you got to remember, you gotta remember the actual fighters are living entities. Yeah, but still, they know they can be resurrected. They may not like the sensation. Yeah, they said it's painful later on in the show. But if they could do some damage, wouldn't they have done that rather than just bugging out? I think it was so a fuel thing and all that, because he actually says at the start that if they destroy it, then they will have to run because they can't refuel. I think that was Cylons in general. I would have expected the ships that were on patrol that would have had enough for at least a jump, if not more. Yeah, yeah, because we find out um, when Starbuck stole the her ship that they have FTLs. Is I just think that it was something that was maybe overlooked because I, I personally would have thought that Cylons would have just kept fighting or sort of everyone just gone after um, the Galactica rather than just bugging out because the bug out would be something we as humans would do to save our lives because it would be pointless unless it was a kamikaze run but for a Cylon that knows that it can be resurrected why not do as much damage to ensure that if they want to come back to reclaim the base, there's less vipers or more damages done to Galactica um, for return visit sort of thing. Yeah, and there's also what we find out later that um, basically the the metal Cylons um, have an inhibitor in them, so they can't think for themselves. Is that that sort of made me think anyway as well? Because of course. Why would they enslave their own race when one of the reasons they rebelled in the first place was because they themselves were slaves? Because all of this has happened before and all of this will happen again. <laughs> I knew someone was going to say that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's, that's up to juice, though. There you go. But, but I think you may have stumbled on a little bit of a plot hole. <laughs> and, you know, I... Maybe the writers are thinking that you know they're gonna they're gonna jump out and go get reinforcements or something, but but we never see them actually come back and try a counterattack. Yeah, well the thing is we never see that base again because the next episode they're just back flying in space with the fleet again. Yeah. Oh god, yes, the next episode politics on steroids. <laughs> yep. Damn. But uh, and there is also a, a they although this has been a very tense. Um, episode, they do do the humour at the end when um, Starbuck hugs the president and then says, oh sorry ma'am. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and she gives her a hug back as well. The sort of motherly vibe, almost. Yeah, because as we find out later on, Starbuck never had that growing up. And it's sort of beginning of a, a relationship between Starbuck and the president that we'll, we'll see come into play in the uh, last couple episodes of the season. Yeah. Yeah, this, the last... Uh, uh, it, the, that's the other thing with Battlestar as well, is it just, it just keeps ramping up and ramping up and ramping up. So, there's, there's so much... I mean, there is some episodes that, like Tommy Up, Tommy Down, that we really struggled with last time to talk about because there's not a lot in there. But he yeah. lays threads for later on, so... And I'd also like to say that I thought uh, Bear McCready's music in this episode was brilliant. Oh yeah, he really, really let loose with the uh, the taiko drums in the battles. One of the, one of the first times we really got to just put it all out there. Now, at the beginning of the show, Colin, you mentioned about um, a cameo appearance. Yes, because I was thinking of the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> you had me confused as well because I was thinking cameo i don't remember a cameo in this and i was sort no. of looking it up as well thinking what cameo is he talking about no. and i i could not find one 
And I'm thinking, well, I'm sure he'll tell us when we get to it. I'm thinking, yeah. have I missed it? Because I've seen this episode must be about four or five times now. And I'm thinking, yeah, there's no cameo. <laughs> no, no, it's in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Although the title is a cameo of a title. So there you go. <laughs> no, I was, I got my, I jumped ahead on my notes because we were supposed to do two today. Yeah. So I jumped ahead on my notes. Yeah, Colonial Day has a cameo. That side, that viper that blows up, blew up before, so it's a cameo of a previous viper blowing up. I there just need a spade to dig that hole deeper. Yeah, just like he just said, it's happened before; it will happen again. So there. <laughs> <laughs> in this case, in the next episode. In this case, in the next episode. <laughs> It's not my fault, okay? It's 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 all the blur. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think I pulled any trivia up for this one. Did you get any trivia for this one today? Um, no. I was too busy trying to repair my laptop. <laughs> uh, oh, there, is the one, there is reference to a uh, 3,600-year-old prophecy. So, bearing in mind what we know at the end, um, you can safely assume that this incarnation of the human race is, by the time it gets to us, would be what the equivalent age of what we are now on this planet? Possibly, yeah. And of course, we never exactly find out what the, uh, the Lords of Cobalt actually were, if they were human or not. No, it's, it, they just twist it up in Greek mythology and, and leave it dangling there. But I have a bit of trivia, or actually a, a mistake, a goof to point out from this episode. Um, in the planning room where they're explaining the uh, plan to Laura Roslin and, and not telling her the whole plan, um, Starbuck mistakenly says Radar instead of Dratus. I never noticed that. Either did I. The only thing I noticed yep. with Kara is um, the bottle that she had in the celebrations disappeared. Um, <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. She's continuity errors. <laughs> yeah, maybe she slipped it to someone else. There's also another one um, in the uh, next episode, but we'll get to that. Yeah, that's what the cameo is. But, the, uh, the, no, the, I didn't uh, notice the one with saying Rainbow. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've just looked it up on online. Ronald D. Moore says in his podcast that Leah Diamond's flight through the tunnel is a homage to Star Wars. Well, you know, as as they always say, no, nothing exists in a vacuum. And um, when you're writing, especially like a TV show or something, it, and you draw on so much of all of the TV shows that you've watched over your lifetime, and um, it, it, it'd be impossible not to be inspired and, and, and affected by everything that's come before. So you may as well just call attention to it and make it an homage. But the thing is, people who like science fiction, they, most people have actually watched these sorts of programs before. And if you haven't, it makes no difference. But if you have, the fans love it because it's just like, oh, that's from that show. <laughs> yeah, that's just like Star Wars. That was awesome. Although sometimes people go, that's just like Star Wars. They're blatantly copying. That's horrible. Yeah. Um, there's. A... I, I don't tend to do that, personally. <laughs> uh, there's a film that I watched recently, which is such a rip-off of so many shows, and it's just like, really couldn't have thought of something a little bit more original. Because there's, like what they've done in these shows, it's a bit of a homage to this and that, whereas then there's just like, plagiarism <laughs> yeah it's a bit of a fine line <laughs> for sure yeah I just found two things out um, first of all they mentioned the fact that they know where the Solon homeworld is because Gaeta says why would they build a refinery this far from their homeworld so they do know where their homeworld is um, at least general general location anyway general location of it yeah yeah well and, yeah because they knew what Cylon space was because that was established during the armistice yeah and it also um, says that it implies that the Cylon technology is based on human technology since they use the same fuel 
Which would make which, sense, because yeah, the definitely. humans created the Cylons anyway, so that would make sense. Yeah. And and before you start like tweeting us and stuff like that, folks, um, we would like to point out that there is a Tilium mine refining ship in the fleet. Very convenient. Yeah, it's almost as if they planned it. Out of all the ships to join the fleet, one of them just has to, to be a refinery. I wonder what other ships will just happen to be in the fleet. Yeah. yeah. Although they did pick up a prison ship and all, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they pick up a they lot. They might be then... regretting that one. Yeah, well, the thing is, is if you think about the way they travel, you would have expected quite a lot of these ships to have actually been out there to refuel. Because, um, of course, the 12 colonies were 12 different planets. You'd expect quite a lot of them to have been out on runs. But... Yeah, um, it's, it's like now with our modern navy. There's tanker ships. Yeah, so you would have expected at least one to have oh, survived, yeah. um, if not more. So the fact that they've only got one of them. Yeah, it's, I mean, if you actually look at the fleet, there's very few ships that are basically there's, there's, there's two of them. There seems to be a lot. There seems to be a type of ship. You know, there's only one. Um, I'm going to call it not a hotel ship, like a recreational ship. Yeah. Um, there's only one prison ship. There's only one ship that looks like uh, it should be a space station rather than a ship. You know, the big circular one. Um, you know, there's only one Battlestar. So there's a lot of ships that it's just one of. Whoever happened to show up at their yeah, rendezvous point and still had was jump capable. Well, yeah, because as we know from the miniseries, they did actually leave people behind. Uh, they didn't have FTL drives, so they couldn't yeah. they couldn't stay with them, so they had to leave them. There was a, a very well done and sort of emotional moment. Yeah, and we also have the episode where Apollo and Starbuck destroyed one of their own ships because the Cylons have basically captured it. Yep. Uh, the Olympus Carrier, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, the Olympic Carrier, yeah. So, yeah, well, but like... Like you just said, the Mara wanted to blow up the prison ship with all the grief that's going to cause them. But there you go. So that's um, basically hand the guard, unless you two have got anything you want to add. Uh, I would say it's definitely my favorite episode of uh, season one, and certainly held up against most of the later episodes. It's just one of the best in the series. Yeah, on a, on a scale of one to five, I would definitely give this a five. The very jam packed episode. Um, it is full of tension, and where there was no tension, it was action. I see the only criticism I might have is that there, there might have been a couple of storylines that could have saved for a later episode and maybe give you more time to focus on battle. But maybe, maybe they had some money that they wanted to focus on the battles. <laughs> yeah. Owen, oh, um, I did have a giggle, which I forgot to mention. Boomer's basically Rio. Um, I'd love to know why he got the nickname Crash Dane. That's not really someone you want to be flying with, is it? Someone whose handles crash. <laughs> I wonder how he got that name. Yeah, exactly. I mean, hot dog and There's really like only that. sort of one way to get that name, right? <laughs> yeah. Why did I call you Crash Dane? <laughs> Just before we oh, take because off. Because I know perfectly know. every time. Yeah. And there's another one. Um, what was the other one? Oh, God, where's my notes? Where's my notes? Fireball. What was the other one? Yeah. He gets killed. Yeah. <laughs> Fireball, no less. Hi, uh, what's your call sign? Fireball. Okay. It, it, it's worth mentioning that we do see a, a number of Viper pilots get killed in this episode. Um, kind of underscoring the, the, the dangerous profession that they have and how many pilots we lose over the course of the series. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, I think that they, they killed so many to emphasize how high a gamble it was. And of course, the, and the one guy survives, the one Viper pilot who survives the whole series, and it's still a Viper pilot at the very end, it's Hot Dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's just because the actor is Edward Sheldon's son. <laughs> yeah, nothing to do with it, nothing to do with it. So therefore he had plot armor. Yeah. That's, uh, it's like we, we're watching uh, Orange is the New Black on Netflix. Um, and there's a scene where um, one of the girls gets beat up in prison and you feel like you're really, really badly beat her up. 
and was watching. He said, oh, no, they're going to kill her. I said, no, no, they're not going to kill her because basically she's in a relationship with the person who writes the script. So, yeah. <laughs> that's one way of keeping your contract going. <laughs> so, final thoughts, Steve? I think we've sort of said everything that needs to be said. It's been a good episode. I would agree. Excellent. So, where can people find your podcast and where can they find you on the internet, Rob? Well, um, we release our podcast uh, every Monday. Uh, we post on the official Star Trek Online forums and also at starbasegc.com. And, and we actually record, uh, it, we live every week. Um, generally speaking, on Wednesdays at uh, 5.30 p.m. U.S. Mountain Time on Twitch TV slash or twitch.tv slash the Boundary Roundtable. There you go. Uh, and I'd like to thank you for coming on and I hope you'll come on again. Thanks for having me on. As always, you can feedback via the Holosuite Media uh, on Twitter or you can get me on Twitter at CRLMH01. Um, any thoughts, comments, suggestions, always welcome. And of course, you can email us at comfrackstars at gmail.com. That's F-R-A-C-K for the frack. That's comfrackstars at gmail.com. So until next time, goodbye.